everybody. Welcome back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hootink, and my co-host, Kirsten Conway. It's always good to be the kings of California. And reigning LA Galaxy are, and so are U.S. women, um, with no doubts, of course. Uh, oh, 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 it was raining yesterday. <laughs> of course it was. Uh, I, our women could play in the rain. Like That's not even going to affect anything. Um, but, you know... This is this is a friendly against Mexico, and they play Mexico again. Um, you know, these friendlies are when you have the time to experiment and develop the younger players. Um, as the U.S. women's roster shows, um, Andonovsky is is staying true to what works. Um, the the roster is older as we were talking about it's got your uh well-known players on it and of course glad to see that tobin heath is is back in full force um after recovering yeah it was a it was one of those statement games and and of course these two games are are the the two visible friendlies that we'll have before tokyo and i i believe um I saw a tweet or, or something mentioned on the broadcast that they're trying to schedule two or three games in Tokyo that will be played behind closed doors. Um, so this is probably, the, these two games are the most tangible data points we'll have, um, you know, without, you know, the, the most expansive data points we'll have in terms of the way that we head into Tokyo. So, you know, but I think it was, first off, they played a very enterprising um, Mexico team that I think, I'm going to give them credit for, you know, they're, they're a young team led by a very young coach that, you know, if you watch, you know, the, the Liga MX Femenil and, and the, the Women's League down there, I mean, it, the exponential growth year over year, is, it has been incredible as, as more fans of, of Mexican soccer really buy into the Women's League. I think, um, you know, Tigres played a, a, one, of the, one of the finals and uh, sold out their stadium, which I think is like a 50,000 seat stadium. So that's incredible. And, and, and this, this team, I think when you play the United States uh, in the women's game, it, it's very easy to, to bunker and to to want to play on the back foot because you just know it's going to be wave after wave after wave of attack against your defense. You know, and it's all about kind of conserving energy, conserving, you know, conserving space and, and making sure that you're, you're solid in the back. So you don't concede, you know, seven or eight goals, but I give credit to Mexico for, for coming on playing expansively. And, and, and Mexico had one or two chances that had me a little concerned. Um, you know, I think I'll start with the negatives before going to the positives. Cause um, you always want to end on positive news. Um, I was a little bit concerned with that Kelly O'Hara and, and the way she played last night. I thought she was a little off the pace. And, and that side of the, the attack, you know, when, when Kelly O'Hara and, and Kristen Press are getting into the attack, you know, I think the, the plan, you know, quote unquote, is that, you know, Sam Mewis then floats into that space that's being vacated, you know, between, the, between O'Hara and Press pulling so far, you know, apart vertically. And then Sam acts as kind of, you know, a, a stopgap defender until either Kelly can get back or... Kristen Press can counter press from the front. Um, it it looked disjointed at times on that side, and and that was kind of you know one of my big concerns um, last night. You know, I also think it, it, Lindsay Horan is not a six. You know, like I think that's just that experiment's over. And I know that problem takes care of itself when Julie Ertz comes back, but it is kind of a, a you know injuries are injuries and you know what if this doesn't happen you know like what if you know there's a setback or something like that i think that's a concern and i think teams that are a little bit you know more savvy tactically or or, or that it, that isn't to say mexico isn't savvy tactically more to say that you know teams in in must-win games are going to look at that as a weakness um let's go to the positives i mean first off as you said tobin heath coming back from injury 
um, looking like she hadn't missed a day. That's that's an incredibly positive sign going into this um, into this tournament coming up. I also think um, you know Kristen Press. I mean, what a what a year she's having. I, I believe involved in the last thirty eight goals the United States women's national team has scored. Um, you know, her and Alex Morgan. You know, the way that they work off one another, the way that you know one is selflessly running for the other. Uh, that is exciting and electric to have and. It's funny, I was texting a friend during the game, and I thought to myself, you know, who in this front line doesn't start when Tobin Heath comes back? Because, you know, Tobin, obviously, she's so talented, so gifted, technically skilled. I mean, the goal she scored uh, late on was, was a fantastic goal. But then you have to start considering, well, does, do you sit Kristen Press? Well, how can you sit Kristen Press? You know, like, I mean, how do you sit that much offensive ability but then do you sit Alex Morgan and you, you lose just Alex Morgan's work rate and her ability to absorb fouls and her ability to get into smart positions and score goals? Or do you sit Megan Rapinoe? Well, you lose that creativity as well and you lose that side of the attack in a way that, you know, I think Rapinoe and Dunn, the way that their understanding and the way that they work in terms of when one goes forward, the other goes back and the way that Dunn can find Rapinoe into space very easily well, I don't know if I want to lose that. And then, you know, you kind of neutralize Dunn because then Dunn has to be a little bit more conservative in terms of staying home and and being defensively there. Um, I, I think that's going to be a very interesting debate. And I think it's a good problem to have just simply because the whole entire thing about playing the U.S. Women's National Team is it's the 60th minute. Like, let's say you get to the 70th minute. You're gassed, but you've got 20 minutes to go. It's like a 1-1 game. And then you turn to the touchline, and there's Carly Lloyd coming in. There's Tobin Heath coming in. There's Kristen Press coming in. You know, that's just such a psychological advantage for any, you know, for the U.S. Women's National Team to have against any team because you just your head drops in the 70th minute at that point, and then all the energy's gone. Um, and I will say, you know, to highlight a, a fantastic individual performance, I thought Christy Mewis, I thought her inclusion into the squad was interesting, and, and I've said on this podcast multiple times that. You know, sometimes it's just smart to take a player that's hot, you know, ride the hot hand and, you know, that form will hopefully translate into success at the tournament. Christy Mewis has legitimately talked herself, in my eyes, into the starting 11 with the performances that she's put in. She's been incredibly good as a workhorse. I think she does something that's, you know, a little less glamorous in a three-person midfield, which she's kind of the shuttler role, the the person that connects the lines, uh, that that ensures that. You know, the ball is moving constantly in between the lines, a, a bit like Sebastian Legette for the Galaxy, although I think they're, they're tasked differently. Uh, and I think, you know, she, she has been the biggest, you know, stock riser for me over the past, I'd say, three months. And, you know, to be able to keep Rose Lavelle out of this midfield, that's, that's pretty impressive. So I, I think there's a lot of positives to take out of this game. I think we're going to see a little bit more of the uh, flipping around the Rubik's Cube uh, on the fifth. And that's going to be also interesting to see. But I think if you would ask Flacco, with what was available, with the current state of the U.S. Women's National Team roster, he has to go out and win a game. I think this is the roster he started. And I was very impressed. Yeah, it is very, very impressive. Um, that sister-sister connection, right, uh, to make to make that goal happen. Um, I, like you said, press impresses. Um, she continues to have a stellar performance. The U.S. team overall uh, is on a, I think, 13-game winning streak, I was just reading. So, um, yeah, this is going into 
Tokyo. So when you were saying about okay, so who who do you rest? Who do you sit in going to the to the roster? Um, I can see based on some past performances and not to undermine Rapinoe in any kind of way, but I think it would be okay to bring her in as a creative spark depending on how the game is going. Because when you see, to me it seems like the U.S. women always have the games under control. Okay, sure, there are some concerns here and there and sometimes it is a little sloppy, but um, I don't know. I think if you can bring her in later it's it's okay and and start those i mean because everybody on the team is so you know you trust them you trust them to be able to to keep scoring those goals yeah i think you know you make a fair point about the possibility of bringing rapino off the bench that's if i had gun to my head to try and read black wandanovsky's mind about that i think that's probably where we're headed now Again, there's questions, you know, is Tobin 90 minutes fit right now? Now, I think it, it wouldn't surprise me if Tobin's not 90 minutes that first game. Um, but that's fine. You know, you obviously you grow into a tournament. You know, you grow in, in fitness and whatever have you. Um, but I, I do think, you know, and, and I, I like the concept of Rapino off the bench. If it's, you know, you're down a goal and you need to, to break down a defense or you need to have, you know, kind of a player that has that vision in order to unlock, you know, a resolute defense. I, I like the idea of, of being able to bring Rapino on and, you know, the 70th minute and just have that ability. Um, I, I think I, I, I tweeted this out and it, it didn't get tractions and I think it's a good idea. So I'm coming back to it here. Um, but, but it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, Vlaco's been kind of married to the 4-3-3. And, and as I was watching it yesterday, I was kind of noticing he, he plays this team like a 3-5-2. And it wouldn't surprise me if he goes to the three-five-two because he just has so much talent in the in the midfield that you know maybe it just um, it just happens that way. Sorry, the phone ringing in the background. I apologize. Um, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if the three-four-two happens because it allows you to put Press and Morgan up top together. It allows you to get all of that creative force into the midfield and you have a defense that's good enough that you know doesn't need to be doing a ton of work right that you know you can have kelly o'hara who you know has lost a step i think that's very clear she can take the time to you know be defensively more solid you have doll kemper you have you know sauerbrunn and any of sauerbrunn's pace is not as good as it used to be but you have enough cover that you can can deal with that i also think it was interesting in this game he let the center backs play a lot of more line-breaking passes. You know, Sauerbrunn was bombing, you know, 45-yard crosses out to, you know, the wings and, and having them go one-on-one -on -one and attack. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how Vlaco kind of shifts this. But I do think the 3-5-2 might be the formation of the future. Yeah, definitely. Um, as you were saying, uh, I wasn't even expecting Keith to be healthy for the friendlies. Um, I expected her to miss even around uh in tokyo so it's good to see that she's there and she's back and um yeah and like you said it's really it's going to be interesting to see how uh, antonovsky handles this however i do see it as predictable in a way like the roster was you know no surprise and like you're saying how he's been running things um it's just sort of like you know when is he gonna choose his players and and it depends who he um, has to, has to, you know, whoever he's playing against, 
you know, I think he has to make those those adjustments. Um, I think it's a, yeah. I think it's a so, straightforward group stage mm-hmm. for them. I really do. I think it it will get tricky in the knockout rounds. I mean, there's some very good teams coming into this tournament, and I I think you know obviously the Dutch, for example, are, are one of those teams that got younger and better at the same time. Uh, so I think the knock you know getting to the knockout rounds will be relatively straightforward. It's what happens afterwards that you know you know is the question. Yeah, most of the the players on the roster. Um, they are Olympic veterans, um, so it's it's going to be really exciting. I mean, you know, this team is expected to 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 get the gold and, like you said, to make it through these rounds. Um, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see how Andonovsky runs it. Alrighty. So, speaking of gold, the Gold Cup is quickly approaching. So. A few Galaxy players will be out, um, and I mean, that's okay, right? <laughs> the Galaxy, uh, we'll see how they how they have to adjust. Um, you know, I know we try not to do the, the doom and gloom, and like we're saying, when you want to end on a positive note, right? Um, Araujo was left off the Gold Cup roster, and that's because he hasn't quite committed to... He's a dual national. Um, I want him to commit to the U.S. men, obviously. Uh, You know, I mean, I didn't think that that would count against him, per se. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's fine. I don't think the Galaxy can afford to lose him right now, especially since we do think eventually, if he continues on the talent that he's going to, that he's going to be... Yeah, leaving this team anyway. I think also Araujo's situation is a little bit different just simply because, you know, I know the U.S. men's national team has sent out calls to him multiple times and he has not taken them. And had he taken the calls here, he would have cap tied himself permanently to the United States considering this Mm. is a FIFA competition. And, you know, I I think it's it's pragmatic of him if he has any doubts in his mind that, you know, going into a camp where you're cap tied is is, is probably not the smartest idea. so I, I'm okay with it, you know, and, and as you said, you know, I think the Galaxy need him, especially this weekend. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome to see Sebastian Lecek get rewarded in the way that he's being rewarded. Um, you know, it, it, I'm surprised at how much trust Bearhalter does have in him. Um, it's, well, de- it's deserved. Well, yes no. I mean, I was going to say, because he, you know, everybody always says, like, well, why doesn't Lecek play for the Galaxy the way he does for the men? And I mean, there's a lot of factors going in there, first of all. Um, there's different players that are around him. Uh, but second of all, it, you know, I think legit does, uh, you know, he's he's defense, he creates, he takes shots. I, I am concerned about him being away from the Galaxy. Yeah, I think also it, you, it, it's different systems, right? I mean, Vanny and Bearhalter are two different coaches. And I think Bearhalter looks at legit as kind of an elder presence in the locker room in, in the sense that he, he, he provides some maturity, provides some you know leadership, provides all of those intangibles uh, to what looks like you know, at least in my eye, a very young, inexperienced roster. I think we knew what this roster was going to be, right? Like, we knew when they sent the best to um, the Nations League, we knew that this roster was going to be younger. It was going to be guys that, you know, are third or fourth on the depth chart, guys that either need a, a boost for their club uh, to, to make a move or can rise their stock in, in the eyes of, of Bearhalter and the coaching staff. Um, I think that, you know, and, and and this is like one of those camps where, you know, you call him like Shaq Moore out of Tenerife. Well, maybe, you know, it turns out he becomes, you know, your starting outside back or, you know, the number nine position, as far as I'm concerned, is wide open 
in terms of who's the automatic starter there. You know, you take a Matthew Halpa, who's been brilliant at Schalke this year, and, you know, even if they got relegated. You know, maybe he earns that starting role. Like, th- there, this is a camp of opportunity for me. I don't think this is necessarily a, we're here to win the Gold Cup camp. And that is not to say at any level that all these players are going in saying, oh, if we don't win, it's no big deal. Like, obviously, they're competitive soccer players. They're going to be mad if they don't win this thing. But I think there is... that They also took the Nations League really seriously, and nobody yeah. thought that was necessarily had a lot of weight. Yeah, and so I think this is this is definitely a camp where there are some guys that can really make a, a, a positive uh, mental impact to Bearhalter on the eve of what will be probably one of the most excruciatingly long and arduous uh, World Cup qualifying cycles since, you know, ever because of, of the, the extenuating circumstances of the past year and a half. Um, so I'm excited to see what this roster can do. I think there's some names on here that have caught my eye through MLS. I mean, Matt Turner and Goal, uh, George Bello. I've always wondered, you know, when is it going to finally happen for him? Miles Robinson's been good in Atlanta. Uh, I've, I've always rated Sam Vines highly. You, know, you got Kellen Acosta, John Luca Busio, who's been absolutely incredible for Kansas City this year. Um, Eric Williamson, who did not go to Olympic qualifying in March. Was that March? Um, and that was definitely a controversial thing. And so I'm interested to see, you know, he, he'll definitely be playing with kind of a little bit of, you know, fire in his belly to, to show Jason Christ exactly what he missed. I mean, of course, it's always good to see Paul Ariola around the setup. You know, I'm partial to him because he's from San Diego County. I'm a San Diegan. So, uh, <laughs> but I mean, obviously, you know, Daryl DK is the, 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 the shining star of that forward line with how good he was at Barnsley. And now, uh, you know, he's picked it right up at Orlando City. So there's there's definitely a lot of excitement here. And, you know, I, I don't know necessarily how far that excitement is going to take them. But, you know, they, they should comfortably make it out of the group and, and, and at least win one or two of the knockout rounds. Um, I, I don't know necessarily if they're the favorites going to the Skull Cup. Um, but I, I, I'm excited for a lot of the, the kind of the precocious talent on this roster. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm looking at it now, right? And like five LA Galaxy players are called into their respective national team rosters. Um, you know, but a lot of these guys on the other teams are, are MLS players as well, like you just mentioned uh, about sporting. Uh, when do they actually go? Which games are they actually going to miss? That's what I was trying to look up right now. So I think it depends on player and club uh, situation. So I don't know about, you know, a John Luca Busio. I know Sebastian will be playing this weekend and then we'll head to camp. So he'll miss the game on, I believe, the 7th. Um, but I don't know about, you know, John Luca Busio, et cetera. Um, I think that is negotiated between the coaching staff and their respective clubs. Okay, so, okay. Um, it's it's full steam ahead though because the Galaxy are so close to taking second place um, if they can beat Sporting Kansas City looking at the games Vancouver and San Jose uh, specifically you know just touching briefly on Vancouver because the, the goals came late the Galaxy almost gave up a game um, if, if Efrain Alvarez ha- hadn't stepped up and and made a a goal out of literally nothing I mean that ball was dead and for him to be able to do that um it's unfortunate that the Galaxy haven't been able to keep a clean sheet um I know that some people aren't really all that concerned about it obviously Jonathan Bond you know amazing keeper there's just some goals that are going to get past him you can't expect him to do everything that comes down to uh the Galaxy's defense um that said they looked really good uh, against San Jose, I think. Um, definitely a lot better than Vancouver. It wasn't one of those situations where they were, you know, l- like giving up late chances where you were totally worried about them. 
um, at least, you know, the Cabral and Grancier, both guys that are criticized for, well, you know, are they worth their money and, and why did we get them and what are they showing? They both got assists um, in that San Jose game. Chicharito is doing what Chicharito does best and what we brought him on for, which is to feed him those balls and, and get the back of the net. So I I think, you know, Sporting Kansas City, it, you know, they're really hit or miss. Um, that team, I mean, especially in balls and beers, you're just like, you know, they always end up going the opposite way uh, of whatever we think that they're going to do. And so, I mean, this is obviously a very winnable match, but I think that it, the Galaxy, they're playing at home. It's 4th of July. I think that there's a lot of reasons for the Galaxy to win, but I don't think that the Galaxy are going to lose, but I, I have my concerns, um, obviously going into the 4th of July match, but looking at that San Jose game, uh, I think, I think, Things are looking better. I think that the Galaxy are a second-place team. Yeah, I, that San Jose game was was interesting in the sense that we went back to that counterattacking, willing to cede possession team. Remember, we were talking about you know the Vancouver game and the Seattle game. It was all about you know this is a Galaxy team that's playing on the front foot, using the ball in possession, using it as a as a defensive tool. And then in San Jose, they went and ceded possession and made Matias Almeida's team beat them. And you know what? That's not a bad bet to make when the team you're playing lost five nil the week before. Um, you know, I think the, the big story for me, especially in the, in the the San Jose game, has got to be how industrious Chicharito was in that game. I mean, he was everywhere. And, it, you know, the first goal, especially that ball that he springs out wide to then make the run to be there for the, the, the at the end of it. That's a guy that's has a high soccer IQ. Like, he's not, you know... I, it, I've been very impressed with Chicharito's soccer IQ this year. I think he's he's gotten out of his head both in a mental health perspective, but he's gotten out of his head in the sense that, you know, he can now see the field a lot better than he, see, he saw it, especially in 2020. I think that's a really, really helpful thing. And it was interesting in San Jose too, because, you know, I've, I've never seen Chicharito dive that deep and in, in the sense that he was pulling himself into the midfield. But when he used to do that, it was, uh-oh, we can't find the game. We need Chicharito to find the game for us and then we can go off of that. But no, it was actually a very intentional thing. It felt like that well, if he dives deep, then Cabral and Grancier take the space, and then all of a sudden San Jose's out to sea defensively, which, you know, I, I understand the the criticism of Cabral and Grancier, and I think it's based on the fact that ever since Alessandrini has left, we've never had a player that comes close to our strikers in terms of goal scoring. So, you know, we had that season where, you know, Ibrahimovic scores, you know, 32 goals or whatever, 28 or whatever have you, and our next leading goal scorer is Daniel Starris with five. Like, that's problems, you know? And so I can understand the, the want that, okay, it looks like we've got two 10-goal, 10-assist wingers right now. I'm okay with the balance of things as things are right now. I think it's working. I think, you know, some of the runs Cabral made were brilliantly good. Grandseer's work rate is, is incredibly useful. I, I give it time. Like, I mean, Cabral's only played four games for this team. You know, Grand Sears, I believe, only played nine. You know, we're very still in early days here. And I think it, we as Galaxy fans have a very strong tendency to overreact on, you know, one data point. You know, so I, I, I'd say give it time. You know, and, and my thought is also, you know, when a player's that young, it only takes one goal for them to turn into just an absolute monster. It just, it's a confidence thing. And I think once, you know, either Grand Sears or Cabral or the combination of the two each sees the back of the net, I think things are going to turn really quickly. Um, I, I was impressed with how 
it just you know how that attack moved against San Jose, and and they were saying you know San Jose defensively gives up a lot of goals. I believe their expected goals against every game has been somewhere in the the, the point, nine point or uh, excuse me one point nine two range, which indicates to me that they're not good defensively. SKC's better defensively. I think there's no questions about that. I think the, the key to this SKC game is you know assuming he plays, and again we we just discussed you know we don't know exactly what you know what the case is going to be is John Luca Busio and it's about shutting down John Luca Busio because if you look at the pass map against LAFC everything went through John Luca Busio he was incredibly industrious in that game and he was incredibly good at quarterbacking that SKC attack that SKC attack is terrifying and it is very very good and I know Alan Pulido went down injured that's completely out of like, that that doesn't matter ignore that because this team scores goals for fun Daniel Shallowy mm-hmm. currently at 3.68 expected goals that's nuts so this is going to be the test for the galaxy defense if anything else now i think you know they did slide in defensive house uh, help with uh Ravel showing up and i know jonathan dos santos will not be available for this but you know if you're gonna have your first game in a galaxy jersey you know being defensively solid through the midfield you know helping to do that would be great i think you know the other point i'd like to make about this skc team is they're not afraid to play from behind if you watch the game against lafc you know, they go down a goal um, in the 25th minute, but I, I can't remember the goal score. And they didn't panic, you know, and I think that's the mark of a mentally sound team is that a team, you know, they go down a goal and they just kind of didn't really change anything. I mean, it was, they were confident in the, in the fact that they were going to get their opportunities. And they basically said to LAFC, we're confident that we're going to get more opportunities and we're going to finish our opportunities more than you do. And true, LAFC had a player sent off and true, Polito um, scores three minutes after on an absolute, you know, wonder goal. But that's the mark of a team that's very confident in itself and it's very comfortable in its identity. That's going to be a big, you know, can the Galaxy deal with just that absolute juggernaut of an attack? Can they shut down John Luca Busio? They can do those two things. You know, SKC has conceded a lot of goals that they probably shouldn't concede. Now, I think SKC is second in the conference simply because I just think, again, as I said, that, that juggernaut of an attack gets them out of problems, which I think vaguely you could say the Galaxy is somewhat similar to. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the critical thing will be stepping through the center of midfield and limiting distribution to the forward line. Um, and if the Galaxy can do that, they can get Chichiro on, on the run and, and get him into some opportune moments. I like our chances, but I think it's, that, that's the critical battle for me is the center of midfield and shutting down, if not Gianluca Busio, whoever's tasked with being that nexus of, of operation for that midfield. Um, sorry, it's a little... Um concerning for me uh like you said like the i like the galaxy's chances um obviously uh ryan robelishan is that how he pronounces his name i believe so <laughs> yeah uh, we we tried it five times fast you guys uh in case you didn't see his welcome video on instagram or twitter um but but yeah uh you know he's gonna be available and so I'm I'm excited. This is this is gonna. It's it's a big change, right? Like we're not we're not used to being able to see how the galaxy are like you know without legit. Um, even Efrain Alvarez is being called up. Um, so I, I think you know it's gonna see how the galaxy are gonna be able to use their their French connections now. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and, and and I also say you know for the galaxy this is this is another one of those test games because remember. You know, the Galaxy have only beaten one team above the playoff line. That's the Red Bulls. And the Red Bulls are currently the worst ranked team that's above the playoff line, 14, 14th out of 14th, or out of 14, excuse me. 
every other team that they've played above the playoff line, they've lost to. That needs to change very quickly. You know, they, they need to be good against the very good teams, not just against the teams that they probably should beat. And that's where I think this whole entire rebuilding process is being shown a lot more than necessarily in the games against teams that are below the playoff line. You know, those are games that, you know, you figure a team with this much talent can just kind of buffalo their way through and get the job done. You know, now it's a question of, okay, you know, now we need to start winning those games against those top teams. And, and, and again, you know, getting second in the conference would be a very big statement as to, hey, we've taken that next step. Hey, we're, we are at that point, you know, next rung of the ladder on this rebuild. And I think that's, that's kind of the key under, like the, the understory of this that's not, you know, an X's and O's kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I, I think you bring up a, a really good, a lot of good points, but um, especially when it comes uh, to beating the teams that are that are in the, the top. Um, you know, Seattle, Seattle's, right? So we weren't mad about that, and also because we were super happy to just be able to be together <laughs> at the max capacity game. Um, you know, 4th of July, for me personally, has a lot of meaning, and, and probably for a lot of the fans listening as well, um, you know, this is how I've spent my 4th of July since 2005. I think there's literally been three games where I haven't gone to a Galaxy game for the 4th of July. One was because of the pandemic. So you can see how, you know, there's a lot of hype around around this match as well. And I'm glad to be playing against a team like Sporting Kansas City. It's really going to be able to showcase uh, the Galaxy's talent, uh, Vanny's ability as, as a coach. I mean, he's done phenomenal things for this team to be able to make these pieces work. Um, you know, you have Grand Seer getting an assist. I, Cabral is just dying to have a goal. I, I can feel it coming for him, you know? Um, I just, I really think that there's, there's so many things that, that it's going to be really good to see and against Sporting Kansas City, um, I think, it's, I think it's going to be sweet. I hope it's a sweet, sweet victory, two but po- I think it's going to be a good game. Two points I want to make kind of quickly. One, mm-hmm. you know, Vinny does deserve a lot of credit, and if he, you know, if this continues, if he's not up for Coach of the Year, then I think that's going to be an absolute shocker because, I mean, he's been able to do this while also adding pieces on the fly. Remember, he didn't start the season with Cabral. He didn't start the season with Grant Sear. You know, like, he's been able to do this on the fly. That's an incredibly impressive thing to do. The other thing I will say is, if you look at the Galaxy wins this year, they've kind of all been gut check. just we're going to will ourselves through this. The Galaxy haven't thrown a show this year. They haven't had a signature win, I don't think, you know, where they've just gone out and absolutely pummeled an opponent. How good would it be? July 4th, full stadium, the energy there, the Galaxy are notoriously hard to beat on July 4th and just go out and throw a show. Because remember the last time Sporting Kansas City came to Dignity Health Pork, they got bounced by the tune of 7-2. to two. You know, this is not yeah. a happy building for them right now. You know, like... It, the Galaxy need to almost need to have a statement win, just you know where they where they look like they're having fun and putting on a show, and I I, I hope that comes on uh, Sunday night. Yeah, I mean it would be it would be exceptional for this to be the Galaxy's shutout game, but I I don't expect that just because it is Sporting Kansas City, and like you were saying, um, you know this would put the Galaxy on a three game winning streak, and I think. Uh, you know, moving forward, that the Galaxy, the Galaxy could use this, uh, this boost. You know, because the other, especially against Vancouver, that game was so shaky. Um, I, I really think that this will really boost uh, the confidence and, and and the fans' confidence as well. And I, and I know that this team really, really cares about showing that off. Um, the community kit, still undefeated. I'm not trying to say too much, but we are wearing that on Sunday. Knock on wood. Knock on wood, everybody. 
light your sage, whatever you do. Those, those we, that bond candle, right? We need that sage for the white jerseys. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much, you guys, for joining us uh, for episode 14 of season three of Sipley Soccer, and stay tuned. See you soon.